Team, welcome back to the Built for Life podcast. A little bit later on the release of this this week because Jen was off last week, bullied her to take the entire week off. Apart from Monday, she kind of bullied me into the fact that she wanted to help cover some check-ins and some client messages, but then the rest of the time she was out on the fucking sea kayaking and fulfilling her dreams that she's had for the past six months of actually taking some time off as she's been building her business. I'm really glad that she did. And then today in a, in a panic, we were like, Fuck the podcast. <laughs> I'm kidding on, actually, guys. I did remember. I think Jen was just in her own little world last week and just decided to zone out from everything. So we decided to get in today and release it a little bit later just so that you had some gold to listen to for the rest of the week. And hopefully you've not missed it too much from your Monday. If you start your Monday off in that way, then we're extremely grateful. <laughs> extremely grateful. But what we want to talk about today, and we always want to keep this relevant, and it's something we hear all too often when people join our programme, because obviously there's a process that you go through, you commit the womb, you go through childhood and adolescence, then you become a full-blown adult and you have all these responsibilities. And people very often come to us and say, I could achieve these things before, I could do all these things before, why can't I do it now? And they usually don't zone out and actually see the bigger problems at hand around them on a daily basis. And therefore just judge why they cannot work harder and burn themselves out and really push themselves into the ground to achieve something that they had more time, energy and resources available to them for previously. And I know that in this episode, we're going to talk about a lot of things that perhaps you haven't considered. And we're probably going to dig into things like vision, values. If you don't know what those things are, you will by the end of this episode. So let's hand over to Jen to kind of kick that side of it off. I love that you always, you're putting me in the spot here because you know that I'm in, um, my brain's still like half in holiday mode, half in uh, work mode. We're still <laughs> half in my brain and body bobbing about in a kayak. Um, so it's, it, it is something that we hear all the time. It's something that I've found myself actually like saying relatively recently is that whole like, I've been able to do it before, so why can't I do it again? Instead of, I've been able to do it before, so I know I can do it again. Like, it, it's not necessarily about the, I think we focus on the logistics too much and not necessarily about understanding how we redefine it and what it means to us now um, and it's something that I watch keep quite I watch keep a lot of people stuck is the perception that it's almost like they use it as a self-deprecating thing they use it as something to beat themselves up with like oh I should just be able to do it so because I should just be able to do it I'm not going to explore how I make it work I'm just going to beat myself up and hope that eventually that'll stick like has it has that ever worked for you before? Probably not. It probably worked for a period of time, but if you've not been able to sustain it, then it's not worked. So, yeah, there's something about taking the time to understand for yourself, actually, what made it possible then that isn't present in my life now, right? So, like, I think I've maybe mentioned this in the podcast before, but I've seen a lot of people do this after COVID, where they achieved change in perfect circumstances, as I did. Um, and then struggle to sustain the change and then look back and go, I can't believe that I can't do it now. It's because I'm a bad person or like I don't want it enough or whatever other lies we tell ourselves. When in actual fact, the circumstances and the conditions were significantly different. And like I speak to a lot of women who are maybe in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and they're like, oh, in 1985, I lost three stone Scottish slimmers. And 
I did so well and I've never been able to lose weight again since then. And I'm like, how do you remember? They can tell me the exact weight that they were, how long it took them doing Scottish Slimmers. And I was so disciplined and I had so much willpower and I stuck to it and I said no to everything. And I'm like, the fact that you're defining a huge chunk of your identity by fucking your experience at Scottish Slimmers in 1985, generally breaks my heart, right? Because that's obviously where someone is pinning an anchor of their success and then holding themselves to that same standard. So the belief then becomes, or because I lost three stone in Scottish Slimmers in 1985, I need to go to Scottish Slimmers again. It was Scottish Slimmers that made it possible. So So I need to go back, and then they go back, and it's shit, and they hate it, and they don't want to eat fucking a tin of soup and two Ivita for their lunch every single day so they think that they're a fucking bad person and then they repeat this same cycle and then they'll go oh, do you know what, I'll go to Slimmer World instead the Scottish Slimmers because you can eat six baked potatoes for free <coughs> on there and then we just we just sort of repeat this same cycle without taking some time to look at the conditions that made it possible and I think like I hear a lot of people say this about themselves, like when they were younger, I was always fit and active and healthy when I was younger and then I lost it along the way or I got lazy. And I'm like, but significantly, what do we have more of when we are young as as opposed to now? Time. You had nothing else to do. Like I used to go to the gym every night after my work because I had nothing else to do but go to my call centre job and then come home again. I live with my mum and dad. Like I was single, I had nothing else to do. But go to the gym and go for a sunbed. Great, right? So, like, of course I had more time then to be able to make that kind of thing possible. Like, stop holding yourself to what you were able to achieve at 18 when you went to Pilates six times a week. When you are now married with a full-time job running a house in two wings today's and wondering why you can't hold yourself to the same standard. Like, yes, the principles are the things that have to exist for you, but... You have to be willing to renegotiate with your current self instead of only holding yourself to the standard of past self, a person who no longer exists in a time that no longer exists. A person has died. Aye, <laughs> going to heaven and you're reincarnated as someone completely different. And it's so funny that you say this because I've seen this throughout my entire time in the industry. And I think there's a large degree of ego involved here which we we spoke about before because I think people look at what they could achieve before with all the time they had and create almost a perspective a, a perspective and a perception that this is the pinnacle of what they have to do to be able to achieve the results so I was able to go to the gym seven days a week before I was able to hit 15,000 steps a day I was able to just eat three meals a day and know exactly what I was having because my mum would make my dinner, my dad would make my dinner, whatever it would be. Things were easy, things were simple. You didn't have to spend that time, that energy doing things for yourself because you had other people around you that you delegated to. Now you live with your wife, you do have your children and because you come home at night and your wife's had the kids all day, potentially you're now getting told you have to make the dinner and you don't want to have to fucking make the dinner. So someone else can make it for you so your phone takeaways throughout the week. It's something that has been created from what you've always known and what you've always done. And I think it's actually really important, probably, to touch on the principles thing and then go on to something that I see far too often amongst parents as well, which is actually doing too much for their kids and having very little independence. 
as a result for themselves or their children building the independence that they need. And the principles thing, I always like to refer to principles as almost like rules of living. Principles are something that you should put in place to protect yourself from yourself through building self-awareness and through the experiences that you've gone through. So if you've tried to do the same thing that you've always done to get in shape 10 years ago, and you now do have kids, a full-time job, you maybe run your own business, whatever it may be, and you're now trying to replicate that, if you've done that numerous times, you should have the self-awareness already to know that that is not working. So you need a completely different strategy. And I actually shared on my Instagram stories yesterday, and I know that you love Stephen Covey, and he said that there are only two main problems in life. And the, the two problems are, number one, you know what you want, but you don't know how to get it. And number two, you just don't know what you want. And I think people fall into kind of both brackets to some degree. And as a result, they don't look at the principles of living that they have to create because they're unsure of what they want or actually how to get it. So they always use strategies that they've always used to try and get it without actually changing it because it's easier to do so because they don't want to really think about it. They don't want to have to consider it. And sometimes they don't want to have to employ someone to help them because that's a sign of weakness. That's what happens when so many people who spread themselves too thin and do too much usually feel like it's almost like a bit of a dent to their ego. I don't need help with this. I can fucking do it. And I'm going to show that I can do it. And then on the flip side, people that don't know what they want are essentially unsure of how they can create principles that still allow them to get the value from the things that they do because people that don't know what they want and do absolutely everything are just seeking some form of significance they're kind of fucking around to try and find out what it is that they can do and if something allows them to maybe find themselves but they could be focusing on all of their own areas and i do think it's essential in life to put your best foot forward and kind of fail fast as well but if you're focusing on 10 11, 12, 15, 20 different things, you're going to fail fast at a lot. And then you're going to build that identity almost of a failure that is never going to be able to be successful at anything rather than picking a couple of things and putting a lot of energy into those few things. And principles of living really need to be created to be your discipline kind of go-to, like a structure of life that allow you to focus on the things that you need to. And I actually onboarded a new client into the program today. And I said to her on the the onboarding video that I sent over when I'm talking through everyone's plans when they first come on board, that essentially she'd been talking to me previously about like willpower. And I was like, willpower's a tank of gas. I lost my fucking willpower years ago. <laughs> years ago. It deflates and it depreciates so, so quickly. Like I think the first time you go through like a rapid fat loss phase or a, a sustainable fat loss phase, even you do have what we would describe as willpower because it's new, it's exciting. Like everything is. Everything is fucking exciting the first time you do it. If you're in your 10th diet, like dieting phase and you're trying to lose weight it's not fucking enjoyable or exciting anymore i boring exactly so what i was telling her that you have to do is that the discipline is not around i need to be more adherent to my food i need to be more adherent to my training because it's easy just to throw that out there with no substance and no strategy because it makes people feel better it's like people at new year this is going to be my new this is going to be my year this year okay but how <laughs> like what's changing i just know it's going to be my year right? Why? <laughs> I just know it's going to be my year. But then they kick off the year hungover, like waking up in someone else's house because they've been at a house party. They don't recover for three days and the fucking first four days of the year start the same as the last 20. So it's like, how do you expect it to change? So you need to be disciplined with the things that allow you to be adherent. <laughs> yeah. And when you have more responsibilities, it's being more disciplined with your partner communicating to them and asking them for a hand because you can't do it all. So it's like, listen, I know that we're both stressed out. I know that we're both finding things really difficult with the kids, full-time job, uh, childcare, focusing on ourselves. Can we come up with a strategy of when we can go to the gym separately, when we can spend family time together? 
how we can make food prep easier. Like, can we take turns to do that through the week? Who's going to take turns on what nights for the babies, regardless of what's going on? We need to have that kind of set structure. Even if maybe we've had a long day and we're a bit more tired, don't swap it to the other one because we probably won't thank ourselves getting out of that routine further down the line. These are where the disciplined aspects come from. <laughs> disciplined with what time you put your phone down at, what time you go on your phone in the morning, being disciplined with what your first goal is in the morning, the thing that you want to master first. And the, the first goal that I always want to master whenever I wake up in the morning is get a litre of water down me because you usually lose a litre when, you when you're sleeping through your respiratory system. And for me, it's not about just getting rehydrated. It's about if I do that first thing in my day and I do it in a disciplined manner and I get that litre of water down me as quickly as possible, then I'm already one up. You know, it's the thing that I need to do to continuously keep winning throughout my day. And just for a little insight, guys, see if you struggle to to drink a litre of cold water. I drink a bottled, uh, a, a, a bottle of water um, in room temperature. So much easier to guzzle. So much easier to get it down, just in case you wanted a little insight and say, I've tried to do a litre of water when I wake up and it's fucking, fucking cold. <laughs> the principle of guzzling. I, but it's like these principles you have to put in place. Like, I was actually going to put an Instagram story up um, at the weekend, but then I couldn't be asked on an Instagram because I was trying to take some time off. And I was going to take a picture of my fridge right now right? Because I'm dieting. That fridge is the saddest fridge ever, right? You open it up, right? There's about 30 eggs in there. <laughs> There's some cheese. There is four, anywhere between three and four prep meals at a time because I buy them every two days so they're a little bit fresher. And there's some meat to go in my omelette, some veg and some fruit. And then the rest is like lard pack. I don't like butter. Um, so that's for Joanne. There's like light Philadelphia for when she kind of makes pastas and stuff like that to make it a bit more creamy. There's literally fuck all else in that in that fridge. And that's a discipline. So it's like talking to your partner or even if you live on your own, I am not going to buy these things when I am dieting because I know I'm just going to eat them all. Like one of our clients, I was speaking to him today, he even said like, don't buy a six pack of Magnums because you're going to eat them all. Yep. Like, even if you don't do it at once, you are going to eat them all because they're there. And I'm like, when I am dieting, it's a case of nothing is in the house whatsoever. Even when I'm not dieting, it's rare that we even buy things that we don't need. Disciplined in that way of living. And if I want something, if I do want a wee bit more flexibility and I'm counting into my calories, then on the day that I want that, I will go to the shop and I will buy one thing. Yeah. <laughs> these are the principles. Yeah. And I think a lot of that as well isn't even just about like, the potential for overeating but actually just being more in tune with what you actually want because mm. like if you're buying a shitload of like snacks and whatever at the start of the week because you think you might want them mm -hmm. then you're just walking yourself again into what you think you want instead of stopping and saying to yourself what, what do you actually want like it's almost like elite if it's there like how many times have you put shit in your cupboard and you've completely forgot it was there Know. like and you see it and you're like oh my god I want it now like you didn't want it before you remembered it was there so, and I think it, it all comes back to one of these principles that I think that people almost sort of forget that they have as choice right and I'm I'm not going to sit here and say to you like just choose the right option right because if we could all just choose the right option I would look like fucking Kate Moss um but I think like people forget that actually when you're a child or when you're in adolescence, early adulthood, the one thing that is significantly reduced for you is choice, right? Your parents, I mean, I did my own cooking at home, but like my parents bought the shopping. So unless I wanted to cook something that was available for what they bought in the shopping, 
I would have had to go in my own way to then go and get something to the supermarket. I didn't drive. I wasn't going to walk half an hour to Asda. I didn't have any money to buy stuff anyway. So, like, my choice around what I could have was very, very limited, right? So, because my choice was limited, it was dictated to me by them what I would eat. And then my principles for my relationship with food come from there, right? So, like, when I was in my late teens, early 20s, and I learned to drive, I was going to McDonald's drive through fucking four times a week because I was buzzing that I had the choice to do it, right? I'd never been able to do it before. And I was like, oh my God, I can go to McDonald's and eat it in my car and not tell anything. I thought it was the best thing ever, right? Because the expansion of choice has been opened up. So there's so many times, potentially in adolescence, like when you are spending all your time in extracurricular activities, you might, I was in really heavily involving music, you might be playing sport, like you might be doing all of these things because your time is essentially dictated to you. So your habits and routines are also dictated to you. They're set by other people. So then as you go older, you then become the person who decides that. Like your habits, your routines and your choices then become completely your own to make. So if you've not had the principles instilled within you about how you make the choices that are right for you, you're like fucking Kevin McAllister phoning one of everything for room service right so there's something here about understanding for yourself that when your choice was dramatically reduced it was really hard to make what you would consider the wrong choice like when I was going to the gym fucking seven days a week it was because there was literally nothing else for me to do right whereas now as an adult there are at least 15 other things that I I could be doing instead that would be as productive. So I have to choose the one that's right for me at that moment in time and I'm responsible for the choice. But crucially, I'm also not going to have anybody shouting at me if I don't make the choice, right? So I have to be both the chooser and the accountability person, right? Obviously, I have you for that additional layer, but like realistically, I could just tell you I've been and you would never know. So there's something here about you have to become all of these different roles that were once decided for you and you're holding you now with infinite choice in comparison to you back then who had complete limited choice. Like if you were in fucking jail and there was nothing to do but exercise, of course you would end up ripped, right? I'd fucking love to go to jail for a couple of months and see what kind of shape I can get in, right? Because there's nothing else for you to do. There's no choice. The choice is limited. Therefore, your, your routines and activities align with it. So if you are there with abundant choice and you're trying to choose the right ones, you, you can't compare yourself to 1985 Scottish Slimmers and you have to take some time to understand that actually your choice is so vast that it's going to take time for you to make the ones that are wrong before you're able to now carve out the ones that are right. Yeah. No, that makes so much sense. And see what you said there about jail. I'm actually pissing myself. Like, I've actually known guys that have gone to jail and they've been put overweight and they've come out and it's like they, they get fucking plastic surgery done when they were no. in there. But it's so true because it's like, right, well, you could spend 23 hours a day in a cell, one out of your cell, like getting food, being in the yard, whatever they call it. I'm not too sure if they even call it a yard in Scotland or in the UK. I know that's like an American thing. Or you can get out for an extra hour if you want to go and exercise. Of course, you're going to fucking go and exercise. Like, you'll not have loved the word exercise more <laughs> if you're in jail, but that's that's how you need to limit your choices. And I think that's what makes it quite easy for the likes of you and me and a lot of our kind of higher performing clients that do have careers 
and kids and so on and so forth. It's that they see. I don't mean it's come across in this way, but they almost see their lives like jail. <laughs> they, do, they do need the escapism of getting that hour out of their business to go to the gym or going for a run. They need to get that hour away from their kids and their wife or their husband. They actually do need it. They're like, this is maybe the one choice I have total control over in one day or a few days a week at least. So I want to make sure that it counts. But that's why it's so important to be locked in with these principles as well, because you should know exactly what your duties are at home. You should know exactly when you're able to spend time alone on on yourself and working yourself. Even if it's just reading a book or going out a walk and listening to a podcast, you should know when you've got the kids or when it's your time to take the dog a walk or when you have to go to the food shop and what that entails, getting what your partner wants, getting what you need. People are just so sporadic. They don't have this in place because, like you said, they've never been taught. And when you're grown up, you have a massive level of accountability because you're not just almost um, catered for with obviously someone else being in control of your schedule, but you are actually told what is right from wrong. And obviously, Jean, for us previously, I can't even remember the name of the training now. You'll remember what it is when it comes to the behaviours of the children, when it comes to like the the child who rebels, the Transactional child... analysis. Yeah, transactional analysis. So you'll get like the compliant child, you'll get the rebellious child. Was there another one in there? Um, so it's like you get like adapted and free state. So you'll have like different ones. So like I think um, free child, that's where the rebellious sits. Yeah. And then compliant, you'll have like adapted. So like I'm pretty sure adaptive is dependent on like the parental response that they get. So dependent yeah. on basically the way that someone operates in parent will then dictate how you behave in child but it will be based on how you behaved in childhood so yeah. like I know that like I'm, I'm a people pleaser as an adult really because if I get someone who is quite critical parent with me I will immediately become compliant child like I'll be like okay yeah I'm sorry yeah. and quiet and reserved and I'll avoid conflict whereas like if somebody spoke to Paul and like gave him a row in a parent mode he would be like fuck you talking to right so like it's totally dependent on like how how you would have responded in childhood. I, I think that's that's quite eye-opening to people to actually recognise. I know our guys found it so beneficial and I actually explained, explained a lot. And the thing is, you can change how you respond to these things over time. Like, I really didn't have a care in the world for, like, authority. I was quite a rebellious kid, but I was also quite a compliant kid at the same time. So I would be rebellious until I got caught. And then when I was getting given into trouble, I'd be compliant as fuck. So, yeah. but it was through that compliance that I wanted to rebel as well. But I have found that throughout my coaching career, especially, that I have been more compliant because I do respect the authority and the the insight that people above me are giving me because they've actually maybe shown me more respect than what I was given when I was a child because it would be more like shouting at you, it would be putting you, you in your place, really, where instead the feedback that I've gotten is a lot more compassionate. But we will work with clients and we will have have seen clients respond in particular ways based upon the feedback that we give, even if it comes from a place of sheer care. Because if you yeah. challenge someone and then they feel as if you are being quite a, a an aggressive parent, let's say, um, to them, like from a behavioral standpoint, straight away it's like, fuck you, or straight away it's compliant. And I've seen myself like with the compliant ones as well, being like, does this make sense? Are you sure you've got it? Like, is there anything yeah. you want to ask? Is this okay for you? Because you can actually tell when people become a bit guarded. Like, don't just say it's okay if it's not okay. Like, yeah. 
I'm not actually coming at you how potentially you've been spoke to previously. I actually want you to have a say in this. And on the flip side, there will be people who are like that rebellious way where regardless of what you tell them, they'll just be like, I don't give a fuck. And it's they don't really respect the authority side of things. And we don't try and be authoritative really with our clients. Like we expect them to have respect for us that we are telling them what we know best and what is best for them. And obviously you'll have a conversation around it at times when it's relevant, but it's so important that you realize that a lot of the time the way that you respond to things and don't get your results in adulthood actually come from the way that you're responding to people based upon what you used to see as a child. (laughs) Yeah. And the funny thing about the ego states as well is that like we might deliver a message an adult, right? So like exactly as you're saying there, like here is your plan. Are you okay with this? Because you're an adult, therefore you don't have to do anything that you don't want to do, right? And I'm an adult too, so I'm telling you this is okay, right? Depending on how that person receives that, if they receive that in that compliant child way, they might then push you into like punishing parent. So like it can be like the way that people respond in the transaction can dictate like which ego state they fall into. So like you might find yourself in that punishing parent, like you better get that fucking done. And then they might be like, well, fuck you. I'm rebellious child. I'm not doing anything. You tell me simply because you've told me to do it. And both people in the transaction forget that actually we're adults here for a shared and common purpose. Um, and, And it can be so linked to like, what you learned I'm pretty sure it's I don't know hundreds about to you but it can be down to like what you learned as a safe response in childhood so like if you learned that it was unsafe to be rebellious and shout out then you will you will automatically go back to that place of compliance or if you rebel and shout out and nobody listens to you you just go to compliant because there's no point because nobody listens to me so you can find yourself in that place and then you might get like compassionate like protective parent and being like oh my god it's okay don't worry you're all right you know what I mean so like all of this can happen in a relationship that we don't even notice it happening and I always get people to think about like people who do have kids I get them to think about like is the way that you parent your kids having an impact on how you interact with other people, say in work, other adults, us, right, coaches? Like, how is the way that you operate with others then, like, with your kids and how you parent them then having an impact on how you operate with other adults? Yeah, and if you never really got kind of just what we were saying there, you've got, like, parent, adult, child regardless of whether or not someone is acting like a child, the rebellious child or the complacent child, or if someone's acting like the kind of punishing uh, parent, and what's the other parent side? They, they... Um, I can't remember the official terms, but you have like a punishing parent and then you have like a compassionate protective yeah. parent. Yeah, but regardless of whether you're in the child state on both sides, on either side, or in the, the parent state on either sides, if you hold yourself in the the adult state you can bring other people into the adult state so you can have someone who's acting like that rebellious child come into a space where they're actually more like an adult and they're having a conversation like an adult as well and that's why I think a lot of people really struggle in their own lives to manage these principles and be disciplined with them and be disciplined with the things they have to do because if they say to their partners I'm going to go to the gym tonight. And then the partner turns into that punishing parent. Like, no, you're fucking not going anywhere. I've had these kids all day. And if you walk out that door, I'm going to fucking put your buzz, you know, straight away. You then might have been the rebellious child. And you're like, 
fuck you. And then you just get to a screaming match. And before you know it, there's nothing you can do. And then you end up going into that rebellious child state again. Like, can I believe that's just happened again? This happens every time I try and work in myself. Fuck this. I'm just going to stay unhappy then. I'm just going to do everything she wants me to do. Fuck this. It's not worth it. Like, it's so easy to get in that. And I've seen that happen so many times before. And I've reacted like that in relationships myself before. (laughs) Totally. And I think, obviously, we spoke a wee bit about relationships in the past. But I think, like, I think that people underestimate just how impactful an unsupportive relationship can be when you're trying to generate change. And I think I watch this happen quite a lot. Maybe we more so like the older generation, like maybe more so like our parents' generation. It was very much dictated to them what they should do. So like there are so many people that like I think that we work with who will go through this like fucking awakening of their lives and they come to us like in an unhappy marriage and like doing a job that they hate and then after a year they're like getting a divorce they've got a fucking they've cut off all their hair and dyed it a wacky colour and they've packed in their job and they're moving abroad and it's like it's just helping people to understand that they they do actually always have a choice even when they feel like they don't um and I think it's really it's really hard to help people navigate the beliefs that they've created for themselves and their life around what they think they should do as opposed to what they actually want to do and I see I see that trap quite a lot of people is that as adults a lot of the time we are forced to make the logical practical decision so because we feel like we always need to make the logical practical decision we've come so accustomed to putting what we want on the back burner that we're so used to settling for less that we just settle for less everywhere so it's almost like this belief of like oh I would love to like prioritize my health I would love to have a better relationship with exercise like I would love to work in my mindset and improve my mental health or whatever it may be I would love to do that job I would love to go traveling I would love to do all these things but it's it's just not for me or people who just convince themselves it's not for them and deep down it is for them but they just feel like they can't and don't get me wrong, like I'm in no way suggesting that everybody fucking <laughs> uproots their lives and leaves their man in their wings and like does a Shirley Valentine. I mean, I am, but like I know that's not realistic for most people. Um, but there's something just about understanding that like every time you settle for what makes sense, like the more you're telling yourself that what you want doesn't actually matter and there's always going to be like sacrifice that we have to make sometimes we do have to make like the logical decision and not always go with what we want like and we have to get used to accepting that but we have to know why we're doing that it can't just be like oh well that's what makes sense so that's what I'm going to do actually what does it make sense for so like what does this logical decision lead to for you what's the tangible thing like I've this conversation with people that their jobs and their careers so much and I've done it my whole career as a coach where they'll say like oh I just need to hang on for one more year and if I hang on for one more year this happens and I'm like psychologically look at your life as a whole is that reward that you might get in one year worth sustaining how you feel right now for a year like look at where you are right now feeling this way imagine another year of enduring this what impact is that going to have on 
your psychology, your view of yourself, like your body, your mind, like everything about you, your relationships, like your happiness, like are all of those things worth sacrificing for a potential promotion in a year or a potential pay, potential pay uplift? Like, fuck that. And, and I think that when you really support people to understand the choices that they make in favour of the state and the choices that they make in favour of the person that they're trying to be, it really helps you to zoom out a wee bit and say, like, is this transactional thing actually worth impacting or sacrificing the person that I'm trying to become? It, it, no, it's so, it's so spot on. And I actually kind of shared this with the guys last week. I recorded a, a bite-sized podcast for the private podcast because we didn't actually have anything on on Wednesday night. It was a chill-the-fuck-out night for the guys. And I thought to myself, you know, I'll just jump on and I'll speak about a few things on my mind. And this kind of replicates to what I was talking about when it comes to chaos in your mind. And I actually shared a little bit about it on my Instagram stories yesterday where you have all this chaos in your mind when it comes to surface level stress. It's the holiday that you need to book and pay for. It's that you might have to go up during the night with your newborn baby. It's the fact that you have to walk your dog when you go home and you've just been stuck in traffic for an extra 45 minutes on your commute home from work. Like there's all this surface level stress and chaos in your mind. You're kind of counting down the clock. You've still got so much to do, but then you've got all these chaotic thoughts like beneath the surface that you don't usually communicate to anyone. The fact that you might want to go traveling, the thing that you, the fact that you might not be happy in your relationship, the fact that you don't want to have kids with your partner and you know that they do, the fact that you're not in a job that you love, the fact that you've got these fears, these doubts, these insecurities, the fact that you've maybe just took a new, a new promotion and work and you hate it and you despise it, but you can't quit because you've just bought a new house for your partner and you, you can't tell them because it's going to break them potentially or what you think is an assumption. So you don't talk about these things because you try and stay strong. You try and stay strong. You try and you try and make it out to be that you can do absolutely everything yourself and you've got no fears, you've got no apprehensions, you've got no anxieties. And that just builds up into like a whole emotional storm that becomes a bit of a blizzard over time. So much so, like you said, that you can't actually focus on anything. Because see, if you get that much chaos in your mind, how the fuck can you focus on anything? How can you focus on anything? And everyone's got deep, dark secrets, whether they like to believe it or not, or be honest about them or not. Everyone has things behind closed doors they'll not speak to other people about. And it's not until they do so, and we see so much of it in our program, where people will open up and tell things, tell us things, sorry, that they've never actually told anyone else in their life, not their parents, not their husbands, not their friends, because they're like, I need a, I need a set of eyes and ears who can objectively give me a little bit of insight here into what I do and guide me in a direction that I don't actually know how to guide myself in. So it's like I've opened up about these chaotic thoughts and I've told you what the problem is. I know what I want, but I don't know how to get it because of all of this chaos. So how can you help? Like, And a lot of the time it's not even giving advice. It's asking questions. It's just being an ear. And being an ear is enough because see if you've never spoke about it, I'm not too sure if anyone here has ever said something to someone and then once they've said it, they've been like, I know my answer. <laughs> <laughs> all you sometimes need to do is be able to speak it to get that chaos out of your mind. And I took a lot of inspiration from Tim Grover's book, Winning, when he spoke to like a young athlete about this. And the athlete was dubbed to be the next like fucking Muhammad Ali. He'd done all these charity events. He volunteered places. He was like a grade student. And basically what happened is um, they wanted Tim Grover to work with him. He worked with like Michael Jordan, um, Kobe Bryant before he passed away, Dwayne Wade, some of the biggest NBA all-stars. And also works with like CEOs, business owners, um, other athletes and like NFL and stuff like that. And 
he's one of the most well-renowned coaches like in that field to help um, high-level sports people just outperform themselves consistently. And they wanted him to work with this prodigy, basically. And he talks about in his book how he goes to talk to the kid and the, the team's not doing well that he's playing with, the performances aren't great, and he's got this dog... Um, with his missies, he's got this happy life on the surface, he's the volunteer, he's the charity guy, he always signs um, autographs for kids, he's always doing shit that makes him look perfect and he was basically saying to Tim like oh I just want this so bad and I'll get people coming to me and saying this all the time by the way, I'll be your best transformation yet, I want this so bad I will make this happen but they won't give us any backlog or information as to what it is that they're struggling with when they actually do that hurdle, it's like it's fine it'll be better next week but how's it going to be better? Or when I'm in this situation again, I'll, I'll just make sure that it's it's better than it was last time. How? how? You've got no strategy. You can't just fucking throw shit at a wall and hope that it sticks. And he basically said to him, like, I want you to go away and I want you to write down on a bit of paper what's real and what's false, what you're scared of and, and what your biggest fears are. Like, write down the truth because I can't help perfect, but I can help messed up. And the guy came back to him and he was like, I don't want to be the next Muhammad Ali. I'm scared that I'm not going to be able to live up to what people talk to me about, like my, my name, my performances. I'm scared that the team's not good enough. I've got multiple girlfriends. I don't just have one girlfriend. Um, I smoke weed and I'm scared to find out. All of these things started coming out. And lo and behold, he started to see this kid's performances change when he turned around and he told his parents, I don't want to be there, Muhammad Ali. <laughs> it's not what the fuck he wanted. So once he started to reduce that chaos... He started to perform better. And we see this so much, like people that we work with and relationships they don't want to be in, when the relationship ends, what happens? They're fucking flying. And no, it's not the breakup diet, it's they actually realize how bad the relationship was for them. And the fact that they were emotionally eating, they were drinking just out of routine and environmental stuff because that's what they've done at the weekends together and that's what they've done for years. They open up to us and say, I don't love this person anymore. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I don't want to hurt them, but I don't love them. And it's like, well, are you going to let that hinder what you can really achieve for yourself? Like, it's a reality in life that people get dumped, people fall out of love with people. And I think people really don't look at things like that in a simplistic way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if it's okay to care and console for your friends, if like their boyfriend or their girlfriend or their fiancés, whatever it is, breaks up with them and stuff. But what's the culture like in the UK? What a fucking arsehole. You're perfect. Why would they fucking leave you? Like enabling someone. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no, you might not be perfect. No, he might not be a wanker. Maybe he just wants different fucking things. And sometimes you need to get better at caring for people and consoling for people, but communicating in a far better way instead of actually relinquishing all responsibility that someone might have played in a situation. And then therefore they end up in the same situation again in the future. You know, like there's so much to take into this. Like I, I honestly could go down a fucking rabbit hole with this, but you can start to really connect the dots because I never really progressed within my career until I opened up about the fact that I knew pretty much jack shit about what I thought I knew about and that I needed help. And it wasn't until I started to get that help and I started to realize how much I still had to learn that it actually settled me. It didn't make me feel bad that I'd been given wrong advice for the first couple of years I was in the industry. It made me feel good about the fact that I was doing something about it. Yeah. And that's what happens when you set your intention in that way. And we've even seen some clients that, that we work with have difficulties in their relationships. Like they don't, they, they have these subconscious thoughts that their partners don't find them sexy. Their partners aren't attracted to them. Their partners want to hang out with their friends more than they want to be with them. 
their partners have totally different values to them. So they're always worrying about, is this person going to break up with me? We're supposed to be getting married. We should be the same people. We should like the same things. It's like you, you don't have to. But see, when you hold that in, you don't talk about these things. And most people won't speak to their friends or their family about these things. And they won't speak to their partners about these things and try and get the, the reassurance that they need. They'll just let it build up. And this is why a lot of people, and we've said it before in this podcast, a lot of people focus on trying to transform their body through this because it makes them feel like they've got a handle on something they can't control. But then when they cannot progress and they keep getting in their own way because these emotions and this chaos stop them from being able to have the headspace to adhere to it at their fullest potential, they then start to feel even worse. So the reason why they started the process to feel better about themselves and all these insecurities are actually making them more fucking insecure because they're not looking at the real root core cause of the fucking problem. Yeah, they're <laughs> treating symptoms. And the thing is, is that I think people really underestimate how huge an impact on a relationship a difference in values can have like I think that having different interests right the term opposites attract really fucking winds me up you can be opposites in terms of your interests right and the things that you find enjoyable I think there's a lot of pressure putting people I think social media really has a big contribution towards it around what people think they should be doing in a relationship so like if you have a pal whose man fucking buys her flowers three times a week and you then decide, oh, actually, that means my partner doesn't love me because he doesn't do that, right? And I think I think that social media really has played a huge part in skewing people's perceptions of what you should have in a relationship, right? Like, I think it all comes down to actually, what is it that you need and want to be happy and and how and what is it your partner needs and wants to be happy? How do they like to be loved? How do you like to be loved? And and how do you then bring synergy to that for one another? Right? Like I don't like having gifts bought for me. It makes me uncomfortable. It roots away back to previous experience. I just don't like it. I'm never going to be comfortable with it. I've learned to get more comfortable with it. But personally, being showered with gifts reminds me of being fucking love bombed by a psychopath. So like. For me, that's always going to be an uncomfortable situation. But see if you clean the house, have my dinner made and I wash and hung out, I'll love you till the end of time, right? So, <laughs> exactly, right? Exactly. They're, that washing basket's empty. Fucking, I'm your woman, right? <laughs> so like the the day-to-day things where Paul will know what time I finish work and I have my dinner ready so that I don't need to worry about finding time to cook something in a fucking 13-hour workday is how I like to be shown love. Had they bought me a fucking handbag and gave it to me, but I had no dinner, I would be like a bear with a said heat. I would be fucking raging. Like, why have you gave me a gift, but you've not made me fucking dinner, right? So there's something here about people taking some time to understand, actually, what do I know I need to be happy in a relationship? Like, personally, showing affection doesn't come naturally to me. I've had to learn how to do that because I'm married to someone who likes to be shown affection, right? I'm just not a naturally affectionate person. It doesn't cross my mind. I have to think about it. But because that's what he wants in a relationship, then I make a note to actually become more affectionate. And as a result, it comes quite naturally to me now because I've learned how to do that behaviour for the person that I love, right? There's something about you understanding yourself on a better level and I think this is what really fucks up so many relationships is that people don't fundamentally understand themselves 
on a deep level and what they need to be happy independent of anyone else that they place all of their expectations for validation and happiness into another person don't get it from that other person and then the relationship becomes fucked and both parties blame one another as a person but actually did you take time to get to know yourself and what you need and make it clear that your needs were met your needs were met before you committed to this person yeah or did you not get to know yourself, expect that person to make you happy, be dependent on someone else for your validation and happiness, and then not have any validation or happiness when they weren't giving it to you in the way that you wanted it? And are you the person on the other side that's going, well, fuck you, I'm not doing any of that, you're a hedonip? Like, I think that people really underestimate, one, the importance of getting to know yourself. And I think you can do this while you're in a relationship. Like, I've gotten to know myself through the journey of being in a relationship and being married to someone, but he has been incredibly supportive of me doing that. I think you need someone who's supportive of you being able to grow on your own as long as you're willing to grow together. They, they need to allow you to have your own thing. I think there are some, maybe some relationships or partners who would see that as a threat to them in the relationship if that person grows on their own. So you need, I think, a secure person who can support that. But like... If your core values in life are fundamentally different, I don't understand how you can expect to build a life with someone who has core values that are entirely opposite to you. And I don't know, maybe there are people out there that make this work, right? But like, I don't understand how you're supposed to make moral decisions, financial decisions, decisions about children, the way that you live life together, like the kind of lifestyle that you have I don't know how you're supposed to do that if your core values conflict with one another. Like, Paul and I have entirely different interests. He's, I'm not going to sit outside at 11 o'clock at night looking through a fucking telescope, right? He is. He loves that shit, right? Like, that's his interest and, and he can do that till kingdom come. And crucially, he's not going to want to sit and do a jigsaw with me because he thinks it's the most boring thing on earth, right? It's okay to have different kind of lives like somebody said to me recently um oh would your husband come and work for you in your business and I was like why and they were like oh well because your business is growing so surely you'll need to hire somebody else so would you not just hire him and I'm like I get that that would work for a lot of people but like he has his own successful really successful career a brilliant job that he loves and is a huge part of who he is I wouldn't expect him to give to just give that up to do something that suited me like even if it did make sense for me it's, it wouldn't be what he wanted so like there's there's something about understanding that you are different you're it's okay to be different people and have different things and different interests and different wee parts of your world yeah. like as long as you have your world that you come together in and you can make decisions for how you want to live life together I think that we see people going through this journey of change who are with people who fundamentally want to live a different life to, yeah. to their partner. So it's almost like they can't support this journey of change and growth that they're going on because they can't see how it aligns with the life that they want and not the life that their partner's trying to create for themselves. No, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And that was such a good um, chat on that that you gave. <laughs> Imagine um, digression, whatever you want to call it. Um, 
Definitely don't employ Paul. I tried that with Joanne. But to be fair, I only done that with Joanne because we were actually obviously traveling and living somewhere else. And she did give up her job for that because we had a vision of where we wanted our life to be. And I couldn't justify giving her money without her actually helping me because I had so much on at the time. But it definitely created more friction than it was worth because it didn't align with our interests. Yeah. It was a massive interest of mine. It wasn't a massive interest of hers. And it did create friction. But the minute that she obviously then went back to full-time employment, things were absolutely sound because yeah. we were working together for a, a particular goal, like you said. Before we wrap up, um, I think a really important thing to kind of touch on, which a lot of people might have a different opinion about because we do not have children. Um, yeah. And this is something that I have had, what's the best word for it? I've had shit given to me about previously. Disagreement. I like I like the way I put it better. Um, <laughs> I've had shit given to me in the past um, by parents that I've tried to get this point across to because I don't have any kids. But the perspective that I would like to give you is that I have worked with many people that have came from different backgrounds, people who have had to have independence from a young age, people who have always had things given to them well into not only their late teens but their early 20s and continue to to be given these things even all the way up to their late 20s, early 30s. Um, they're always bailed out. They are always safe. They, they never really have had much challenge in the sense because they've always been secure. And I have also been a child myself. And I see common traits where the people who have had to go out and work and gain independence for themselves, do things for themselves when they were younger, do often seem to create a, a better life for themselves. Let me say they, they've they've stronger characteristics. It's probably the best way to put it in comparison to those who had that security. Now, I'm not saying that this is a generalization. I'm saying that this is what you can see in a lot of cases. It doesn't mean that this is just black and white across the board. But we work with parents who very often struggle to be able to kind of step away from doing everything for their kids. Like when I was 14 years old, I used to have to cook my own dinners. When I was like 11 or 12, I used to have to get the buses places. My mum used to say to me if I wanted to go to the gym, I would get the train from Blantyre train station to Hamilton um, Central. Then I would walk down to the gym that I trained at and my mum would say, listen, I'm finishing it this time on these days. These are the days I can pick you up as long as you're done for this time. If you're not done for that time, you can walk up the road, which was like a four mile plus walk, or you can get a bus. So I would make sure I was done for that time to get a lift so that I didn't have to be out the house for any longer because I had homework or paper money to get and so on and so forth. And then on the other days that essentially I did have to go when she wasn't able to pick me up, I would have to make my own way home. Like that independence was given to me very early. My mum communicated it along the lines of if anything ever happened to us, we would need to know that you were capable of looking after yourself regardless of how young you were. You would need to understand how to work. That's why I had a paper round from like 11 years old. I built up for like five years and it was one of the best paper rounds in the area. I had like 180 customers. I used to I used to walk up this hill, you know, um, well Hall Road, the hill that goes yeah. up by your look, how steep that is. I used to have four paper bags full of papers, scrawny wee guy. It's the never ending hill and all like it's it's... the never ending hill. Fuck it. Right. Walking up that every Saturday and Sunday morning with all these papers. I used to break my back. I remember one, maybe too much information. I remember one morning I was like halfway through it and I desperately needed a shit. I had like a hundred pa- no, I had a hundred papers to deliver. <laughs> 100 papers to still deliver or so. 
I wasn't even halfway through. I was maybe like a third of the way through. And I mean, I needed a shit. It wasn't even just a shit. I was like, I need, to, I've got some diarrhea coming here. <laughs> I had to like, fucking run, I had to run down this wee lane. No, but these are the things, like, this is the kind of struggle that you have to realise that when you're in these positions, like, people don't have to shit themselves to learn this thing. And I got my pants down and I'd done a shit, and I basically used one of the papers and never delivered it to someone and said that they obviously never packed it. I mean, uh, I wouldn't even have delivered covered in shit either. I, even though I delivered my own papers anyway, or, or bagged my own papers. Um, but that's when I've seen that sometimes to complete your work and follow through with what you had to do to build that independence and build that life and and fend for yourself there was going to be really uncomfortable situations you would have to be in you know like I know some people that have or would have potentially been in that position that would have fucking cried for their mum and dad and been like oh I've just shut my pants you need to come get me yeah. I, I, I wiped my fucking ass with that paper because I'd done it I'd, I'd been doing this stuff for a long enough time to know that my mum and dad would just phone me and be like well you're still going to have to deliver the rest of your papers yeah 100%, 100%. so you know what I mean? Like, you can't not do it. So, yes, you might have had to fucking near enough shite yourself, but what do you want us to do about it? Yeah. And sometimes you need that. Oh, 100%, because I think, like, again, I'm probably going to get fucking abuse for this because I don't have lanes, but I, I really think that you do the adult that your child will become a huge disservice by not allowing them the ability to, to learn fundamental life skills. And I do think there's a fine line between like just not fucking parenting your wains and leaving them to like raise themselves. And also like I can understand that drive and need to want to be a different parent than how you were parented. Like everybody is going to want to do things differently, some things differently from their parents and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think like I know so many people who had a really cushy time with, with their upbringing. Um, and I remember being so jealous when I was younger of, like, pals that I knew. Like, maybe you had those pals to let their mum and dad let them do anything they wanted. Same. And they always get, like, hundreds of stuff at Christmas. And then you'd be embarrassed, like, when people were like, what did you get at Christmas? Like, because they get fucking everything, like all this stuff they would get hundreds of birthday presents and all that and like you know we always got christmas and birthdays but like when people were getting like extravagant like stuff and like thinking like oh i wish my mum and dad were like that i wish they would just let me do what i want and all, all of that kind of thing and it's like now that as an adult i see how that's panned out for those people i'm like i'm really glad that actually i did have quite strict parents I'm glad that I did have to let myself home from school and learn how to cook because now I'm a fucking brilliant cook right because I had no choice but to learn and like getting the bus everywhere and walking everywhere and like learning the discipline of committing yourself to fucking every extracurricular activity under the sun and what that meant and what that teaches you like I think that had I not been taught to be pretty much fully independent like I don't know how I would have functioned as an adult if I couldn't, like, run my whole life on my own. Yeah. Like, and I think the thought of being dependent on anyone or anything as an adult, like, I just can't comprehend it whatsoever. Like, everything in my life is completely within my control. Like, I can do anything that I need to do and I know how to do most things and I'll learn how to do it. So, like, I think that as parents, I can understand that and I can't empathise with it because I've not experienced it, I can understand the pain that must come from making the decision to spend less time with your child, to spend more time on you. Like, there's no way that's ever going to be an easy decision to make. But I think that there's something here about seeing this as what opportunity does this create for the kind of adult 
that I am training them to become. Like, if I do take one night a week back for myself and tell them to get the bus home and for me to go to the gym, what does that teach them about, one, finding their own way home and everything that comes with that? And also that as an adult, it's important to prioritise yourself and the things that are important to you. Like, kids learn by what you do, not what you always teach them, but how you behave and how you show up in your life. So actually... If that's the kind of adult you want them to become, you have to demonstrate to them how to do that and make those opportunities available. Yeah, master mimics and as well, like kids, kids don't recognize how much more as parents you have to do. So, like my dad worked away all around the world, like from I was like six, maybe. So he'd be away for like three months at a time. My mom would have three kids, all two years apart from one another, all kind of going through their own issues at the same time based upon the age they were at. You know what I mean? Like two teenagers going through fucking puberty, like uh, a daughter that's, a daughter that's like just about to do the same, you know what I mean? Like all within a, a space of each other. And like, that's a lot of change to be handling on your own, plus working full time, plus doing, doing all the chores at home, plus making the dinners, if that's what she had to continuously do the older that we got. And at the end of the day, like it was about recognising as well that she might have just wanted to take a little bit of time back for herself. And you, you your kids might not recognise this now, but they'll thank you later. And I'm very big on, like, the way that I want to parent my kids now based upon what my parents done for me. Like, I always thought, like, ah, just like you, I'm going to let my kids do anything when they grow up. Yeah. And see, now I'm like, buy them drink underage. I, I, <laughs> I, and now I'm like, I'm so happy that they taught me these things. I'm so happy that they done this. Like, it might have been hard at the time, but it's that whole, like, it's how you learn almost, like, delayed gratification. I'm like, I would never have got this far. Like, the people who did have it all, the people that always were, like, just well looked after. Mm. I know those people, I know some of them now, and um, whenever I see them, they, they tell me, like, how shy their life is. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's like, don't know what I want to do. I've got to go drive. Like, it's just kind of love living for the weekend, going on one holiday a year, you know, like... That's pretty much it. My mom and dad watch the wains all the time, you know, because it's again, it's like the, the parents done everything for them. So now they're doing everything for the grand wains as well. And it yeah, just yeah. down. Like yeah. you, you need to you need to break the generational chain. And like I'm saying, like we don't have kids, like we understand that, but we do understand that the benefits long term, even if it doesn't feel like it's beneficial now, will will show themselves. And yes, yeah. it's gonna be hard, but again everything that you want for either yourself or your kids in life is going to be hard anyway totally. and you don't have to go far and listen to like really great podcasts on like high performing people and the way in which they approach their life with their children and the things that they try and teach them it's like take a leaf out of their book like some celebrities are refusing to give their kids their fortune you know what i mean and yeah. they go out and work from a young age it's like fucking great absolutely fantastic because the thing is if you made it why can't they yeah, on absolutely. what you were given so repl- replicate you know and yeah. on, like my parents bailed me out a couple of times along the way, but I had to be bailed out. Yours probably did the same and helped you where you needed to be helped. But if it wasn't a really like pressing circumstance, mm. it was like you fucking get yourself into this mess, get yourself out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's one of those things where like we're surrounded by like we have so many friends, like siblings, like who have kids, and I think you 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 see how other people parent like I see how like my sister and my sister-in-law and my friends and everything like raise their kids around like how to make decisions and stuff like that and I think 
it's funny because I think you've always got an idea. It's easy for us to sit here and say this is how we will parent, right? Because we've got an idea of it. We're not actually doing it. But I think it's really interesting to see how it changes people's perceptions of themselves. And I think like there are a lot of my friends who I, I do really admire for their ability to mark aside time for themselves. And like, don't get me wrong, like I think if you're a single parent, it's a whole different it's a whole different ballgame. But if you are in a relationship, like I'll ha- like I have friends who I'll say, like, do you want me to come down? Like, so you don't need to get the kids watched or whatever. And they're like, absolutely not. Like my partner's off work, like, or I- I'm going to get the kid, I'm going to get my wings watched. Let's go and do something just us because I need time away from being a mum. And I think it's so, so, it's so nice to see people prioritise that for themselves. And it's also helped me to realise just learning from them how important that is to remain your 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 identity that you were before you were a parent. And like, do you know what I mean? Like preserve that part of your identity that's not just rooted in mum or dad, but actually the person that you are to the point now where I thought I was doing a helpful thing saying, like I'll come down and hang about with you and your wings so that you don't need to get them watched when actually they're like, get me the fuck out of here, let's right. go and do something where children can't go <laughs> so no. that I can't take them. 100%, you're, you're so spot on and it, it teaches you early how to do that from the start. Because the thing is, it's harder when you build an expectation of how you act for your kids and then to try and pull yourself away from it. Just like it is in everything else, like a relationship, going through that process of changing a relationship, it's like, well, you weren't this way when we, we first got together. You know, and it just opens up a can of worms. So the more that you can build that expectation from the get-go, the better. But it can still be done further down the line. It just sometimes comes with a little bit more baggage and a little bit more um, tantrums. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we're going to round off there, guys. I do just want to finish off by saying, like, we totally get that being parents is a hard thing. You know, like, we're not sitting here and not taking into consideration all of these things, but we just want to kind of shift your perspective a little bit. It's hard when you're stuck in it to see that there's another way to be able to do it and to shift your perspective and see what you're doing for them as a result. And yes, it is easy for us to sit here and say these things, but I think also from a perspective of the way we live our life, like if we showcase discipline in everything we do, then there's no reason why we cannot continue to show that discipline and have an intention for when we do have children as well, you know? And I think that's really important. Yeah, and I think remember how identities intersect. You're not just a one-dimensional human being. Do you know what I mean? There are multiple different layers to the identity that you have. You play multiple different roles in your life. So there's something about asking yourself, like, which of my roles needs to get more attention here? Like, your identities, the roles that you play are like your children. Like, you're not going to just love one and obsess over one and then ignore the rest. So, like, I mean, you might, but, like, you're probably an arsehole if you do that. So, like, take the time to consider the intersections of your identity and actually how you make time for every part of that. Um, And remember that you're a person, like, and who that person is and what they need beyond just what everybody else needs. 100%. But we're going to wrap up there because I'm aware that Jen... And I both need to eat before our next uh, appointment in uh, 40 minutes. Cheers <laughs> <laughs> so much with you guys in this podcast. You probably yeah. don't listen to podcasts where people tell you, like, fucking what they're doing with their days and when they're eating and what else they're doing. But hey ho. Guys, thank you for tuning in. Sorry, it's a little bit later than um, it usually is on a Monday. But as always, please share, reach out if anything stands out to you. If you want to drop into our DMs and give a shit for talking about parents and kids, then fucking go please for do. it. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> but. We'll see you all again soon. Peace out. Bye.